listening to this week's message from Freedom Church. For more info on Freedom, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening. Are y'all ready for Christmas? Woo. If you're a kid in here, I want to know, are you ready for Christmas? If you're a parent in here, are you ready for Christmas? Throw your hands up if you're ready for Christmas to be over. You know what, man? Y'all the same people probably as soon as you smell fall in the air, you get your Christmas lights out. You know what I'm saying? Like, um, I saw somebody on Facebook the other day said that um, they already have Valentine's stuff out. Yeah. Hey, y'all, don't think for one second Walmart ain't going to try to make some money off that Christmas crowd. Like, you know what, I better go ahead and get some conversation hearts because you know they don't go out of, they don't expire. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think they found some conversation hearts in Tutankhamun's tomb. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's in hieroglyphics, though, just like a little birdie on one and a little toenail on the other one. You know, that's a history joke. Come on, guys. That's, come on, nothing. I'll be here all week. Actually, I won't. Um, So, you know, the question of are you ready for Christmas um, it's kind of weird because I love, I love the Christmas season. Like, I love it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pull my cross out right here because I want you all to know I'm a Christian. Um, <laughs> that's all it takes, I think. Fruit, nah, got to have a cross. That's it. So um, just, that's a joke. Okay, just so everybody knows, that was a joke. Internet, that was a joke. Okay, somebody's going to take that one clip and blast me. Um, but I love Christmas. I love, I, I love the family stuff. I love the presents and the, the lights. I love lights. One of the things we miss big time about Longview is something called Carmela's Mini Santa Land. And basically there's like four million lights. Like I'm not even exaggerating. It went from being something that she did at her house to now it takes about probably a solid, I don't know if you've got cars in line, it takes a solid 10 minutes to drive through and see all the lights. It's amazing and I miss it. We, we would go all the time and it was free you just literally drive through millions it's worth the drive almost along me to go watch that but a little stuff like that we miss that we love waking up on Christmas morning doing the presents with our family and um, you know for a while Monique and I when we were first married we would go to our family's houses and do you know Christmas Eve with my parents and and then Christmas Day with her parents and a lot of times had to we had to wiggle and work around that just because of working at church and all that stuff but um, when we got our own kids, it's like we wanted to wake up and have that moment where us as a family were with us like Christmas morning kind of thing. You know what I mean? And um, so I love all that stuff and I love the joy that surrounds it. But there is the hustle and the bustle and there are the Christmas programs at school. Come on, where my school program's at? Y'all gonna have a school program on one night and have a Christmas party the next morning. Like, come on, can we just knock two together out? You know what I'm saying at the same time? Um, there's the traveling. There's the family. Hey, what about this one? There's the family dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm so blessed to be able to have great families. So it's like we don't have to worry about those issues. But I know some of y'all, some of y'all got some family dynamics y'all got to navigate around. And it's not about getting the right present. It's about getting the present that's not going to make somebody upset. You know what I mean? Um, and there's the food. We talk about, we talk about Thanksgiving being food, but y'all know y'all be getting with it at Christmas time. Hams and all that mess. Um, let me, let me ask you this. If Jesus were to arrive at some random moment in all of the craziness of the holiday season, would you be prepared for him? Would you be ready for him? Okay, what, about, what about when your kid, all they want is the Bluey toy? Come on, man, Bluey. Has Bluey taken a little... Where's the kid in here that likes Bluey? Say, yeah. yeah. 
Okay, a lot of people like, okay, she's got them 30-year-olds in the back that like Bluey. All right, whatever, man. I got my Disney Plus subscription just for Bluey, bruh. Um, what, happens, though, what happens, though, when you're reaching up to get that last toy on the shelf at Walmart and somebody swoops in and grab it? You ready for Jesus? Uh, they about to get ready for some hands. You know what I'm saying? Like, little Johnny is going to get his Bluey toy. I hear you. Will thought that was funny. I, I thought about this, though, this week when it came to Mary and Joseph. Um, and, and, and I wondered, I wondered were they really ready for Jesus? Because I don't know if, if you, when you read the story, if you think of the hustle and the bustle. Like, it almost seemed like there was a rush to get to Bethlehem and, and, and the craziness and all that kind of stuff. The way it reads, it was like um, the baby was born out of nowhere. It's like they were riding, you know, like you see Mary on the little donkey and they're riding and they're looking for a place to stay and all of a sudden, Wah! that's it. That's how it happened. It seems like it was just that quick. Anybody in here that's been through childbirth knows it's not that quick. Now, I just want y'all to know, any of you ladies in here that have been in labor for maybe just two hours and a baby's born, the other moms probably don't like you. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> like I was in labor for 14 years, and the baby kind of came out. No, um, it's not just like, all right, oh, 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 it's not that quick. You know what I'm saying? If you didn't know that, it's not that quick, okay? Ooh, ooh. Was, was, that the, was that the Christmas ham or was that Jesus? Like, what was it? But, <laughs> y'all got to chill out. I got to get through this. But what actually happened? What actually happened? Is that really what went down? Were they just really, was, was she riding on the donkey? And I don't know, I've heard of women sometimes when, when it's, you know, it's, it's time to, to have, a, have a baby or whatever, that like, they'll go walking or they'll go jumping, just something to get that thing out of them. You know what I'm saying? Like, was the riding the donkey the thing? Like, like is that what it was? I don't know. How about this? Let's just read the story. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 through, 1 through 20. We're going to read the Christmas story here. It says this, In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This is the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee to the town of Nazareth to Judea, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of, the God, shone, of, of God shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the, angels went away from, uh, when the angels went away from them to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Interesting language right there, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I love that. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. You know, that's the story we've heard 
all these years. That's, that's how everything uh, played out. And there are a couple things here, though, that caught my eye when I read it this week that I want to share with you. Um, I always thought that there was this rush to get there, and that between that and the census, that's why there was no room in the inn. That's, that's always how I've read it. Like, oh, there were, you know, the census, so all, the, all, the, all the Airbnbs are full, and all the holiday inns are filled up, right? Well, for one thing, it was 80 miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem. 80 miles. It's not like it was just they walked for a day and then they were there. No, 80 miles. That's a long way. I mean, what is it, 60 miles from Liberty to Beaumont? 45 miles, something like that? How many? 51. Okay, so imagine going, going there and then three-fifths more. I mean, that's, that's a pretty good distance. And you're walking. Oh, yeah, and, and you're pregnant. You're nine months pregnant. And not only that, it was through the Judean mountainside, which... The Bible says that they go up. You know, if you look on the map, they're actually going down. Why do they say they're going up? Because they went up into the mountains over to get to Jerusalem. Okay, that's pretty wild. Some of us can't walk around the neighborhood without dying. You know what I'm saying? And like, she walked up the mountains. And think about this. She did it twice because she went to Elizabeth's house one time too. Okay, now what was inside the Judean mountains? Robbers, thieves, the, the story of the Good Samaritan. He's on the road and gets blasted by robbers and thieves. It took anywhere from four to seven days just to get there. And while they were there is not the same as the moment they arrived. You see, you have to read the words because the word says, while they were there, it came time for her to give birth. That doesn't mean that the moment they stepped foot in Bethlehem, all of a sudden, that's not how it happened. Now, I might be taking some liberty here, but they'd already been there, and then she went into the labor. And went into labor. Okay, so, so then they weren't necessarily rushed. So then an inn... Like, why an inn? Okay, well, if he was returning to his ancestral home, would it be safe to assume that he had no family there? Like, come on, he, there had to be some family there, right? Interestingly enough, you know, we don't hear anything about Joseph's family or Mary's family. Uh, we do know that Elizabeth was from Incarin, which is where John the Baptist was born. And that's right outside of Jerusalem. We know Mary had just been in the area um, all outside of Jerusalem because the Bible says she spent several months there and then clearly returned to Nazareth because she couldn't, she couldn't go to Bethlehem if she was not at Bethlehem. And so if she went to Elizabeth's house and hung out there until the baby was born, why would she need to come with Joseph? So she went, and then she went all the way back another 80 miles, pregnant still, and three months at least pregnant at that point, beginning to show, all that kind of stuff, and then comes back all the way with, with homeboy, with Joseph. Now, Luke implies that she was alone, probably with a caravan and a census usually took decades to complete so if in just a couple of months they would return isn't it reasonable to believe that an arrangement would be made at the end in advance especially as she'd been close to her due date like come on bros like where are my guys at if you're thinking planning especially you ladies my goodness some of y'all the moment you hear you're pregnant you got a bag packed ready to go you know what i'm saying like it's just gonna sit there for nine months we're gonna use it one day you know what i'm saying like y'all know what i'm talking about don't you you plan and you prepare Oh, we got to have a door hanger. <laughs> Am I wrong? Uh, I bet you got a special little outfit planned. I remember when Viv was born, when Will was born, and when Audrey was born. Every single one of them, we had a special little outfit. Come on, y'all, plan it, don't you? So doesn't, doesn't it stand to reason? In, in fact, that's right. The one Vivi went home in, isn't it right, Vivi? The one that Will went home in was mine when I was a little baby. Oh, my boy. Anyway, wouldn't it stand to reason that if she already was in the area, 
that some arrangements would have been made. Hey, listen, we're going to be back here in nine months because the census is going on. Um, let's go ahead and get this squared away. But guess what? That didn't happen. That didn't happen. Why wouldn't he just stay with family? Why would he stay in the inn instead? But here's the thing. Words are very important. And I know sometimes I'll talk about Greek words, and you're like, come on, bro. Like, really kill me with the Greek. But the words are so important, and here's why. Okay, katalima is the word Luke uses right here. It means guest room. Every single time in Greek, in Koine Greek, that katalima is used, it means a guest room. It doesn't mean an inn. Now, okay, wait a minute. Is that the truth? Well, there's another time. The gospel only says in three times. The gospel of Luke only says in three times. Um, two of those, um, it uses this catalima. The, uh, so one was here when Jesus was being born. The second time was when Jesus was looking for the upper room so he could have some time with his people. They called it the catalima, a guest room. The only other time it was used in an inn, it was a whole completely different word. And it was when um, the, um, it was the same time as the Samaritan man. And the word they used there was different. It was uh, pandacheon, which is translated always as an inn or a hotel. So why is, why is that so important? It seems like it's not such a big deal, but the best translation based on the word and its common usage by the same writer is not in, but a guest room. So basically what it means was all the family was in and the guest room was full. So they go out to where the animals are staying for a shelter and a baby is born. Now, why am I taking you through all that Greek mumbo jumbo? Okay, why am I looking into the minute details here? And, and maybe why am I even telling you about it today? It's because I've been wondering if Mary and Joseph really were ready for Jesus. Are you ready for Jesus? So let's, let's look at the issues for just a second. There was the travel. I've already talked about that. There was lack of a place to stay. We talked about that. There was a need for a safe place to have the Savior of the world. Now, I'm a guy and I'm a fixer. Where are my fixers at? Oh, yeah, come on. So here's what would happen. If I knew that I was going to get there and there was a potential that because everybody was there, I'm not going to be able to stay there because the inn is full. I would have brought some sticks and some tarps. We'd have made some kind of shelter. I'd have done something. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have leaned up something on the wall. Incidentally, um, we, had a, we had a homeless guy build a shelter on top of our roof last week, and that's when we had a water leak. Props for creativity is all I got to tell you, brother. <coughs> I tell you, if I were in that situation, I'd be doing everything I could too. Wouldn't you do the same thing if you had a pregnant wife? You was riding, a, uh, riding on a donkey to, to Bethlehem? You'd have done something, wouldn't you, boys? Were they ready? But not only were Mary and Joseph ready, man, was God ready? Micah 5.2, you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, too little among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth from me one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient days. Why not pick a couple that's already in Bethlehem? They lived 80 miles away in Nazareth. Why not pick a couple that was already there? Why not, why not pick a couple that already had a place to stay? Why not pick a couple who had no issues and need for an inn? What about picking a couple who didn't need a stable to give birth to the king of kings? Why? I mean, I'd have opted for availability, wouldn't you? It's like if, if you were God and you had to make Jesus come through in Bethlehem, would you pick somebody that lived 80 miles away? No, you wouldn't. That'd be the same thing as trying to find an Airbnb 80 miles away from where you want to stay. You wouldn't do that. But he did. What was available was always easier, isn't it? You ever sit down and watch, watch something on TV and you need to turn it up and you realize that the clicker's over there? Y'all ain't getting up, or you call for a kid. Hey, 
Oh, no, I forgot my kids are in here. So that, I'm going to tell them the secrets. Um, you know, it was funny because we had some friends when I was growing up that had an automatic antenna twister, like, you know, we'll turn the antenna. Dad did too. Boy, go turn the antenna. And you would always wait for the patented, whoo, when it was right. You know what I'm saying? Like, some of y'all didn't grow up in the country. Some of y'all didn't have Prime Star. You know what I'm saying? Like, but instead, guys, God chose Mary and Joseph who lived in Nazareth, not Bethlehem. And he planned for Mary to get pregnant far from the prophesied town. What about getting them to Bethlehem? If, if you're going to pick two people who lived 80 miles away, at least get them there easily, right? I love this quote. Listen to this. To solve that problem, which God himself had created, think about it. God created the problem of having to get them to Bethlehem. But that's the problem he created. God could have arranged to get Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem by some personal means. Say a relative who needed them urgently or a dream or some private legal or business matter. But he didn't do it that way. Instead, God moved Joseph and Mary from Nazareth to Bethlehem by means of an empire-wide census. In other words, God arranged that the most powerful leader in the entire world would order everyone in the empire to go to the town of their origin to register. Here's a question for you. What non-spiritual thing is God using to get you to the place where the promise comes to pass? Come on, think about this. God used the most powerful human being that was breathing air at that time. Caesar. An unspiritual person. A pagan. An idol worshiper. To get the king of kings born. And some of us, what we do is we see stuff that we don't think is spiritual and we neglect it and we ignore it. But it's actually the very vehicle that's getting you from Nazareth to Bethlehem. Come on, you got to think deeper. What have you been ignoring that you think is not of God that might be the very thing that's getting you to the place that God wants you to be? You know. As I think about it here right now, it's like even in some situations that people might be in here where maybe, I mean, I've heard of a couple people have lost their jobs. Is that a spiritual thing or is it a vehicle God is using you to get you somewhere he needs you to be? I mean, just think about it. Everything is spiritual if it has something to do with you. You know why? Because you're a spirit. And if you allow God to use it, he'll use it. You know what I'd have done? I'd have griped and complained and I'd have been stressed. I'd have been thinking, how in the world am I going to get her to Bethlehem? It seems pretty ludicrous to think that the same God who created the universe and who moved global empires into action to bring two humble Jews to a town for a census and a birth that would change the world couldn't get a room worked out. See, but Micah, the reason I read that Micah verse is um, because Micah was a minor prophet who literally lived around 720 B.C., 700 years before Jesus was born. What does that mean? It means that God had 700 years to get Jesus' birth planned out. And if he really was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, you would think that he had the entirety of human history. Really? I mean, come on. Here, let's look at how Jesus was born. Think about it. Here's how he did it. A virgin conceives, enduring ridicule and nearly the destruction of her engagement, and that's not even mentioning the fact that she would have been stoned to death for it. A week-long grueling hike through a thief-infested mountainside while eight to nine months pregnant. A search for a place to stay after the guest room is filled. A compromise to use a stable to deliver the king of kings. 
And after that, a visit from the shepherds and wise men, a flight to Egypt, all the wild massacre happened while the evil rulers searched for the kid that's literally sitting in your arms right now. At what point would you said, I give up? Come on, moms. At what point would you said, it's too much, Jesus? It's too much. I can't do it. Dads, at what point would you have been so stressed out? When we get there, yeah, okay, what if we get some places? How are we going to eat? It's not like there's a 7-Eleven across the street. We'll just go get some Doritos and call it a day. No, that's not how it worked. When, when would you have quit? Would it have been halfway through the Judean countryside? You're stumbling and you're cutting your foot on rocks and you're stressed out? I can get so easily flustered by and discouraged in the situations that are going on around me. I can easily kick and moan and gripe and stress about the struggles that I'm enduring. I can so easily question why God and say, yeah, God, but you said, but I can also be easily blinded to the big picture that God really is doing in my life. And some of you right now, you probably feel like you're in the middle of a Judean mountainside headed to a place you don't want to go to deliver a baby that wasn't your responsibility to begin with. And you're thinking, what in the world am I going to do? How am I going to get through this? I don't have a job. I got Christmas. I don't know what to do. How, what are we going to do? Could it be that you might be in the same situation? Can I give you some lovingly, loving advice from Mary and Joseph? Don't give up. Yes. Don't quit. Yes. There's a promise inside of you. What is God really birthing inside of you? It's in light of this that I want to ask you just three simple questions today in the time we have left. And the first is, is one I asked of Joseph and Mary. Are, are you prepared for Jesus? Prepare means to make ready. Were they ready? Had they made ready for Jesus? Now, when I initially asked that question this week, I recognized that all of the preparation I was expecting was physical in nature. Did they have the place set? Did they have the resources they needed? Did they have a midwife with them? Did they have some towels? Did they have the swaddling clothes? Obviously, they wrapped Jesus in something. What did they have with them? Did they have travel sorted? Did they have lodging sorted? Granted, they didn't have a Airbnb, no hotels. They didn't have a Walmart for gear, but the Bible doesn't say they had any of that stuff sorted beforehand. We don't know, but... I realized this week that when I was thinking about it, all of my focus was on what was tangible. My preparedness focused specifically on physical needs. And maybe that's the dad in me. Maybe that's the dad and the husband in me wanting to make sure things are taken care of. But then all of a sudden it hit me. Jesus' real dad had everything taken care of already. His real dad did. Now, I don't know the extent of their tangible preparedness. We're not really seeing that in the Bible. But I do know the extent of their spiritual preparedness. Let me help you see that. Here's the first one in Luke chapter, thir- oh, chapter 1, verse 38. It says, Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be unto me according to your word. And then Joseph, Matthew 1, 24. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Can I tell you something, guys? Sometimes the best preparation is just simple obedience. Come on, sit on, sit on that in your heart for a second. Sometimes the very best thing that you can do is just say, Yes, Lord. When you don't know what to do, when you don't have the money in the bank account and you got the bills are coming, 
when you have employees and it's been a tough, tough year because things have been going nuts and you're wondering how in the world you're going to keep it going. You like doing everything you can to make sure that this job you have right now is perfect because maybe some word of mouth will get you your next job. Come on, thinking like that. Sometimes the simple obedience, the simple, yes, Lord, I'm going to give. Yes, Lord, I'm going to serve. Yes, Lord. And I'm not talking about in the church. I'm talking in every aspect of your life. When it comes to your job, yes, Lord, I'm going to give over and above. You know why? Because you've asked me to go the second mile and I'm going to be a second mile Christian or maybe it's in your family. And you know what? It ain't your clothes. And, and, and you didn't, they're not your responsibility to fold, but maybe you sit there and fold some clothes. That's not spiritual. Really? Everything is spiritual if you're a spirit. So I guess a follow-up question would be simply this. What, what, what uh, thing has God asked you to do and you've been saying no to and it's created you a state of unpreparedness? Maybe that's why you're anxious. Maybe that's why you're worried. Maybe that's why you don't have it all together because here's what I don't read in the text. Joseph and Mary stressing out. It didn't say, and Mary stressed to the gills. Sometimes the best preparation is simple obedience. I think the more important distinction here is not that everything changed for them, but that they continued on with what they were doing. Luke one thirty one, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. You ever wonder what happened after that moment? Did she wake up the next morning and hire servants and move to a bigger, better kingly house? Did she start getting manicures and the best food and getting pampered? Um, my sister Callie was in a movie called One Night with the King. And um, it was the story of Queen Esther. And, and my mom and, and Callie flew to um, India to film it. And um, it's always interesting that the moment, even in the Bible we see this, that the moment Esther um, went into the king's court, they spent months and months and months preparing her for that. I mean, making sure that her skin smelled of, of roses and, you know, like they prepared and prepared and prepared. Is that what Mary did? Like, ooh, I got the king in me. I'm going to go get my nails done. You know what I'm saying? Like, I need to go to the salon. Like, I need to. We don't see that happening. Or did she just do the chores she normally did? Did she worry for a few days about what to tell Joseph? Did her life drastically change in that moment? We don't see that. Internally, yes, for sure, but externally it doesn't seem so. My point is that preparing for Jesus doesn't necessarily mean drastic changes take place in your life. Hear me now, because a lot of times we think that if we're not changing everything, that we are not really serving Jesus. Now, hold on a second. Okay, changes only happen when something needs correcting. Hear me, changes only happen when something needs correcting. Come on, man, I don't change my course unless I'm headed in the wrong direction. I don't change my kids' actions and their little attitudes unless they're not doing the right thing. If my son is doing the right thing, I don't get on the wheel. I encourage that. But what if he starts doing the wrong thing? Boy. If God is asking you, to make big changes to prepare for him, then you need to be glad, not mad. He's course correcting you so that you can arrive at your Bethlehem where the promise in you can come forth. Be willing to be corrected. They weren't perfect. The only thing that was perfect was the thing that was growing in Mary. But based on what we read in the text, it seems that they were prepared in their hearts and their spirits. So being prepared really involves just two things. Number one, course corrections like we talked about. And number two, obedience. So welcome both. You know why? Because they get you to the promise. Are you prepared for Jesus, for what he wants to do in your life? 
Second question is this. Are you willing to endure the process for the promise? I've already outlined the issues of travel 80 miles to the Judean mountains alone, but much less navigating the other stuff like this, Mary's trip to visit Elizabeth. The struggles of pregnancy in general. The constant murmuring in town about Mary. The mental stress of knowing that as you walk down the street, people are judging you. The fear of being pregnant in a world where mortality rates for both baby and mom were incredibly high. Y'all realize that, hey, you're going to give birth to a son was a death sentence for her. A kid out of wedlock? You're done. That is stoning. And on top of that, there was a 55% uh, 55 mortality rate, they say, between uh, the, the mom and the baby during those times. Imagine that. You get pregnant, and that means you have a 50-50 shot at living. Even some unknown parts that Luke and Matthew leave out, like, where were Mary's mom and dad? You ever think about that? Where were Joseph's mom and dad? Had they abandoned them? Had, had Mary's parents abandoned Mary for promiscuity and lying? Had Joseph's parents abandoned him, abandoned him for dishonoring the family by marrying a girl like Mary? How could, Jesus, how could Joseph make money? The Bible says carpentry, but is that why Mary went to Elizabeth alone? Joseph had to stay back and work? Imagine the fear, fellas, of sending your wife 80 miles away through the Judean mountainside, both to let her be encouraged by family, but also to protect her from ridicule. Like, imagine sending your wife to do that by herself with a caravan of people that you just had to trust. And how, for goodness sake, do you tell people about this kid who's the Messiah? Do you, do you overly protect him? Do you, do you not say anything? Um, when he's being bullied, do you rush in and defend him? Hey, 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 hey. Christ, the son of the living God, you're bullying right here. Is that what you do? And then have people look at you like, what? You know how many kids back in that time were named Jesus? A lot. When money is tight and you don't know what to do, do you ask him for a little help from his real dad? <laughs> Anybody ever thought about spiritual child support? <laughs> like, hey, your boy eating a lot of food. Like, can you do something? You know, like. <laughs> He's like, hey, Joseph, go fishing. <laughs> you know, the coins in the mouth. Okay, that was a Bible joke. <laughs> But guys, think about it. Think about it. Emotional stress, physical stress spiritual stress do you really think they never doubted we we talked last week about abraham the father of faith who doubted for at least two chapters do you think mary never had moments where she doubted what about financial stress what about family stress what about mental stress come on who can relate to that who can relate to those moments you thought god's plan was gonna be rainbows and butterflies and it's hard work and it's stress when i read the story of mary and joseph though i don't see two people stressing And worrying. I see two people who love the promise enough to endure the process. Let me show you why I think that. Luke chapter 2. I'm going to read some of this again here. We see the shepherds are in the field. We see what the shepherds are. We read it a minute ago. Glory to God in the highest on earth. Peace among those who, who he's pleased. The angels went away and the shepherds, they rushed. The Bible says that they got over there quickly. They made haste. To find Mary and Joseph, then the baby lying on a manger. In verse 17, 
And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But listen, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. When I read this, I heard the Holy Spirit say, hey, Jason, it was worth it. It was worth it. Imagine sitting in that moment, listening to these random stinking shepherds, strangers, go on and on and on about the little baby sitting right there. Dude, the skies opened up and these angels just started singing and they were saying that this, this, we found this kid who was wrapped up like, like this is Jesus, man. This is the hope for humanity. This is the peace that's going to change everything. They, they, they were going nuts. Imagine she remembered being scared to death by that angel in her house that night. She's sitting there the baby right here the promise fulfilled before her very eyes shepherds proclaiming the glory of God because the angels in the heavens said it and rather than listening to those words she's thinking back about the moment when the angels said this is going to happen and the promise was first put inside of her come on sometimes you got to look back and remember what God said to begin with imagine imagine she remembered in that moment the fear of telling Joseph Come on, ladies, what would you do if your betrothed, like your husbands, if your betrothed comes to you and said, hey, an angel appeared to me and said I was going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and that he was going to be the king of kings and lord of lords and he was going to save humanity from their sins. Would you be able to tell your guy that, ladies? But I also think that in that moment, she remembered when Joseph looked at her and put his hands on her shoulder and said, hey, it's okay. An angel told me last night. Imagine. She pondered these things in her heart. I imagine she might have felt the terror of the thought of what people were saying about her behind her back as she walked down the street. Did she remember the travel and the stress? But also, did she remember the joy and the peace and the feeling of accomplishment in that moment, knowing that she'd done the right thing? You know, what's crazy is she couldn't have known the depth of the pain that would come. Fleeing to Egypt so that Herod wouldn't kill Jesus, yet while other mothers were losing their sons. Returning from Egypt, wondering if it was really all safe. And then the crucifixion. The pain in that moment when Jesus looked down and said, Woman, behold your son. I wonder if in that moment, if 33 years flashed before her eyes in a moment, back to that moment where she decided that the promise really was worth the process. That's what I want to ask you today. Is the promise really worth the process to you? Because if the process, if the promise is going to be born inside of you, it's going to take a process. And I'm going to tell you right now, it ain't going to be butterflies and rainbows. You're going to have high moments and low moments, good moments and bad moments, moments of goodness and moments of badness, moments of extreme disappointment, but moments where you cannot imagine doing anything different than what you're doing right now. Last one is this. Will you recognize and receive him? We have so many moments in the Bible where people were faced with a decision to recognize and receive him or to reject him and deny him. 
the shepherds couldn't wait to see Jesus, so they rushed to him. The wise men traveled from afar, and they bowed to him. Interestingly enough, Herod, though, was threatened by Jesus, and he allowed his flesh to reject and to deny Jesus. Every single human being on earth since that moment has been faced with the decision and to recognize and receive or to reject and deny Jesus Christ. You are no different. Before you begin to think this is just the salvation portion of the Christmas message, let me simply remind you that a yes to Jesus is not a one-time thing. It's a daily thing. Every day. Your flesh hates the things of God. And so you're going to have to crucify your flesh every single day. Sometimes you're going to have to do it moment by moment. Think about your boss right now. I'm kidding. But you're going to have to do it constantly. Think about the temptations that you begin to feel whenever you're tired and stressed out. Maybe you've been saved since you were a fetus. Maybe your heart has been stirring this entire message. But either way, here's my question. Are you going to recognize and receive him today? That's the question. Are you? You know, he doesn't make it difficult. In fact, we're going to put it on the screen here. Jesus makes it very, very easy to receive him. Very easy. Oh, but I got to have somebody praying for me. No, you don't. I got to say the right words. Like if I don't say the prayer just right, it's not going to work. No, that's not true either. But don't I have to like come and like, you know, I have to spend time getting my life right first. And okay, no. You haven't been able to get your life right up to this point. Why do you think you can fix it now? Like just because you came to church one time, all of a sudden you can fix it? No, he fixes it. I mean, it was crazy as he doesn't do it like that. How come Mary had to wait nine months? Why couldn't she just instantly, you know, why, why couldn't it just happen to snap? What do you think Mary learned in nine months? What do you think Mary, well, how do you think her faith grew in nine months? And let me ask you this. If God miraculously right now gave you the promise inside of you without going through the process, would you appreciate what God birthed in you? It's the difference between making $1,000 and being given $1,000. You're thankful for the thousand, but you protect it when you made it. If I give you a thousand dollars, first thing you think of is, "Ooh, we're going to Tiger Harry's. It's probably going to cost you a thousand dollars. You think of how to spend it. Come on. But whenever you make a thousand dollars, you think of how to save it. Same thing with Jesus. Hey, same thing with your promise. If it's just given to you, you're going to find a way to mess it up. Come on, you know why? Because you're human. Sorry, welcome. Welcome to the human race. That's us. We've been screwing stuff up for a pretty long time now. Come on, man. All right, encouragement. Y'all go home, be blessed. No. But the good news is wherever you're not enough, Jesus is enough. And aren't you glad he came? Aren't you glad Mary was willing to stick with it? Aren't you glad that Joseph didn't quit when the quitting was easy? You're reaping the benefits of their refusing to quit. Let me ask it to you like this. Who's in your future right now waiting on you not to give up right now? Maybe it's a family member. Hey, maybe it's your own kids. Maybe you spent your whole life teaching them how not to live. It's time to start teaching them how to live. Maybe life hasn't really gone that great for you. Maybe you've endured some problems and some stresses, and I, I hear you. 
Maybe the Judean mountainside is your whole entire life. There's a promise. There's a promise ready to be born. You're not, you're not done yet. You're breathing. You're not done. But let me tell you how it all starts. It starts right here. It starts right here. Jesus, I recognize who you are. You are the Savior of the entire world. You're the perfect sacrifice to eliminate my sin and restore me to my Father in heaven. I believe in you. I confess you as Lord, Lord of all, Lord of my life. Thank you for saving me. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. If you pray this, oh, they're just words. Okay, whatever, man. It's your confession. And let me tell you something. What you say is reflected out of what you believe. What you think becomes what you believe. What you believe is what you say and do. All I have to do is follow you around for about 13 minutes to figure out what you believe. Okay? Confession is everything in the Bible. I confess my sins. I make you Lord of my life. Let me just let you in a little hint in Christianity. This is an everyday prayer, not a once your life prayer. Because the Lord is going to ask you to submit some things. To give up some comforts. Just remember, if He asks you to give something up, it's because you needed a course correction that's going to get you to your promise. Be willing to do it. It's worth it. Kids, that's why it's so important to obey your parents. Some parents are like, yes. I tell you why. Because sometimes the best preparation you can make in your heart for Jesus is simple obedience. That's the truth. Christianity is not easy. And it is made more difficult by the sinful world we live in. But can I assure you guys, the promise is worth it. It's going to be difficult. But here's the thing. You've prepped for Him. You, you've recognized you received Him. You've, you've been sure to stay obedient and stay engaged. And you've read the Bible. You've prayed and you've connected with God's people. And, and you've embraced the process. Okay, here's my last question for you. What is ready to be birthed inside of you then? Whatever it is, I want you to spend the last moment we have here today and prepare your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to do what He needs to do so that you can be who God called you to be and you can do what He called you to do. Amen? Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank You for today. I thank You for Your goodness. Thank You for Jesus. Thank You that You came to this earth, Jesus. And, and I love the fact that You didn't come in some crazy kingly moment, but that You came in a lowly environment. Where, where normal human beings could easily access you. I can't imagine shepherds trying to break through security at the king's palace if that's how you came in. But they were able to just come right in and worship. And God, I thank you that you make you and your throne and your, your, your grace and your mercy available to every person. It's not based on merit. It's not based on their pedigree or how good or bad they are. You make room for everyone. And so Jesus, I'm asking you right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, that you would convict anyone here who needs to embrace that relationship with you, Lord. If there's anybody in this room right now, nobody's looking around. If there's anybody in this room right now, you know you you need to make Jesus Lord and and you prayed that prayer. I want you to just raise your hand and, and nobody else is looking around. I just want to see. And the reason I want to is because I want to be sure to encourage you. Thank you, God. Praise you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. You can put your hands down. Thank you, Jesus. Now, lastly, I ask Holy Spirit that you would shine light in their hearts right now 
on, on a variety of things. Got something that they need to just be obedient to. Maybe a step that they need to take. Maybe somebody they need to reach out to. Maybe an initiative that you've been wanting them to do, but they've been hesitant because they've been scared. God, give them the courage to step out right now in that moment. It could be something as big as a business starting. It could be something as small as just stepping into a serve position. It could be something as simple as calling up that family member, and even though you weren't wrong, you just say, I'm sorry. Whatever it is, God, I'm asking you to help us, because here's why, Jesus, we want the promise that you put inside of us born. God, I want to I live like Mary and Joseph who are willing to be obedient no matter the cost. We thank you for it, Jesus. We love you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. At Freedom, we want to help you have authentic relationships with God and His people, to have real experiences with the Holy Spirit, and to find lasting freedom. If the Holy Spirit speaks to you through this message, or if you want to make a decision for Jesus, please reach out at freedomdl.com connect. For more info on Freedom, including service times and location, visit freedomdl.com. Thanks for listening.